You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Folks, if you've listened to the Herd Tell program, you've heard our friend Gabriella Hoffman, but you need to make sure you're checking out her podcast, District of Conservation. It's a podcast exploring the nuances of true conservation efforts from D.C. and beyond. From topic discussions to exclusive interviews with conservation and energy newsmakers, Gabriella keeps listeners appraised of the latest news stories while elevating important voices. Listen to the District of Conservation on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are played. Folks, you've heard of Ethan Brown on the Herd Tell Show a couple of different times, but if you're interested in learning about how to discuss things like climate change without all the politics and doom and gloom, Head over to his podcast, The Sweaty Penguin. Sweaty Penguin is a late-night comedy-style climate podcast working to add nuance, critical thinking, humor, and hope to the climate conversation. they got over 100 episodes already, breaking down weekly news stories and specific topics, from the vanilla to the ADHD to the international accountability to orangutan. Yes, I know, it's a comedy thing, so just go with it. But each time, exploring different ways we can make progress on these issues while still helping the economy, health, security, and everything else we care about. Feel overwhelmed, exhausted, or excluded by today's climate change discourse? This is the podcast for you. Find The Sweaty Penguin wherever you get your podcasts or at www.thesweatypenguin.com. With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Herd Tell. Ah, welcome back to Herd Tell. Just had my sip of sweet tea, so now we're raring to go. Our congressional insider, he does all kinds of congressional reporting for The Independent. You've seen him on here many, many times, has a great book called We Are Not Broken. Make sure you buy it if you have not already. Eric Garcia is back. How are you, sir? Doing well. How are you doing? Good to be back. You know, most reporters after the election, they get to take a little time off. Not congressional reporters, because boy, Whoa. howdy, is it a busy week in Congress this week, ain't it? Whoa. Yeah, so it's important, to re- it's important to recognize that right now, um, so... 
the House is having its leadership votes uh, this week, uh, but the, which is kind of weird right now because we still technically don't know who has the majority. We know, I mean, it, it looks like it's going to be the Republicans, but they so so there's the, the the kind of vote that's going on right there, and then on the same time. Uh, we got uh, we, there is the leadership vote for the Senate, and that one is probably the one that's more that, that that's going to be really interesting because there's there's a lot of knives out. Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of people who are obviously trying to put the blame on Mitch McConnell. I don't really know how much I believe that, but then of course there's the House leadership vote for the Democrats because they're going to either be in like a very thin minority or a very small majority. So there there's there's a there's, there's a lot going on, and then we still got a Georgia runoff. Yeah, lots going on. Let's break those down for a second. Before we get into the politics, though, there's just some machinations to Congress. This is a machine that runs a certain way. So right now what's happening is you have the new uh, elected folks coming in. I know uh, J.D. Vance tweeted that he was in for his orientation this week, I believe, so he could take part in these meetings. You have the new people coming in. You got the old people going out. You got staff changing hands. There's a lot of just physical activity involved in a post-election season like this, for folks that don't see that, who aren't in the office buildings, who aren't in the tunnels, it's unmitigated chaos from now till the first it year, is. isn't it? It is. It is totally like I was. I was um, hanging out outside. Of the, like, there's this basement area in the Capitol Visitor Center <clears throat> where Republicans were having their leadership uh, discussions, and like some staffers were talking to others about, like, yeah, we're going in the middle because they, 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 you also change offices every uh, every cycle. Uh, I mean, I mean uh, and depending on, and some people who get seniority, they move to a different, they move to different buildings. And then all the freshmen, they got to, they, they have their lottery draw. So there's that on top of that, uh, new members have orientation right now, uh, this week and then the week after Thanksgiving. And then on top of that, there is, there's the leadership votes for both parties, for the minority and the majority. Uh, so right now, right. And, the, and then on top of that, you got, uh, who's going to run, who's going to run the campaign arms. So it is, uh, there's just an onslaught of uh, an avalanche of, uh, of activity, even during this supposed lull, you know, during Congress. Because the truth is, and you report on Congress, you cover, there is no laws in Congress. There's no, no. laws at all. No, no, the, the, the only lulls happen when everybody's tired and wants to go home. Well, the country's tired of them wanting to go home, but that's another matter for another day. Uh, let's start with some of the machinations here. Let's talk about the one that's not going to get settled this week first, because that's probably going to be the more pressing one. Uh, yes. Let's say the Republicans, it, I, NBC's projecting it to be a three-seat majority, although it's not yeah. settled yet. But let, let's just let's work off that number, three to five seats somewhere in there. That's probably yeah. safe. Kevin McCarthy, this is not going to be done this week. He's got time on this election, although they're going to do the inter-party election leadership thing. This is going to go for a while because he's in a position where he's he's got the brass ring in his grip, but he can't tear it down yet. He's going to be in a mood to give a lot of concessions to a lot of people. They're going to be really slow to finalize this to get all those concessions. This process is probably going to take probably the better part of four or five weeks, right? This is going to take the better part of four or five weeks. This is going to, this is going to go... Until January third, which is when the new members get sworn in, and when the new and when the new speaker gets sworn in, uh, he is going to have to give a ton of concessions to your Marjorie Taylor Greens, your Matt Gates's, um, your Lauren Boebert. It looks like Lauren Boebert's going to win re-election. Uh, it, it, it is going to take a lot of work. It is going to take uh, 
him basically saying people get to go back on committees. He is going to be, it's going to be giving people, you know, prime jobs. Uh, he is going to have to keep a lot of people happy to hold this fragile coalition together. And the question a lot of people have always wondered about McCarthy is whether he is up to the task. That has always been the kind of immortal question for him is like, can he actually uh, wrangle these people? So, um, so, so, so that's, so that's, so that's what, that that's what I'm wondering because like, unlike Paul Ryan, who, you know, gave a lot to them and John Boehner who knew how to put the fear of God into them. He's not necessarily the guy you want on the wall, so to speak. So that, uh, and, and he's not, he doesn't have the political skill of someone like Pelosi. Yeah. Here's the thing with McCarthy. He's getting the job he's always wanted and he's getting it at probably the worst possible time to get it with absolutely almost no support. We already know that he's going to be very beholden to certain folks Underneath all this, you have a GOP that's gearing itself up for a who are we kind of fight for the next year or two going into a presidential cycle. Yes. You already have people like Marjorie Taylor Greene who came out and supported him now. because. And I first thing I tweeted about that is like, no, she's not adjusting. She's warming her way in. That's what that one is. Yeah, exactly. I see no way he holds this caucus together, especially when you don't have. See, the, you speak on this because you can explain it better than I can. The reason you need a 15 to 20 seat majority is because you need to give your marginal members shade on votes and let them vote against you every now and then. And you release them to vote on things. That's how you get stuff done. Yes. That's not going to happen vis-a-vis. You ain't going to get a lot of stuff done. Yes. So this is what this is what Brendan Buck, who was uh, Paul Ryan and Boehner's guy, told me is that, you know, this is going to be a virtually impossible job. But you need like you said, you need that cushion of like 15 to 20. The reason why is because there's always some members who are in tough races and you basically release them to say, look, I understand you're in a tough race. Do what you need to do so that you can create some some shade between the two of us. Um, and, and, you know, I'll let you, you know, we won't withhold money from you. We won't, you know, stop anything from you. We'll just let, we'll, we'll, we'll let that fly. That is going to be very difficult because if Marjorie Taylor Greene or Matt Gates, for example, don't want him to give an inch on the debt limit, um, which is something that very easily could happen, uh, then McCarthy is going to need to go hat in hand to the Democrats. And he's going to need to say, okay, I need your help. And then that's going to then, whether it's Nancy Pelosi or Hakeem Jeffries or whoever is leading that uh, that caucus is going to say, okay, then, well, you're not going to, I don't know, uh, withhold money, uh, withhold money for this, for the DC government or, or, or just some kind of hypothetical, or you're not going to cut off funding for Planned Parenthood or, or, or anything like that. So they are going to have a lot more. Le- so this gives Democrats a lot more leverage and it gives McCarthy uh, a real almost kind of gun to his head. Yeah. Let's talk for a second about who's going to be on that other wall. Nancy Pelosi, of course, said she wasn't going to run again. That was kind of the deal to keep. I don't see any way she doesn't because they're going to really need. I, it sounds weird to say this. They, this is where they really, really need her because they could get a lot done with this slim majority. McCarthy's going to be getting it from all angles. She absolutely loves to live to make the Republican leadership's lives miserable. Yes. There's no way she's not in charge of the minority here for the next two years, is there? A lot of people don't realize this about Nancy Pelosi, and a lot of people criticize her, but her primary skill is keeping, in her main chit that she has, 
is keeping the caucus unified. I don't know anybody. Steny, God bless his heart. Um, you know, Hakeem is too, aggra- uh, too abrasive to progressives. Um, Clyburn is a whip, but he's not necessarily the, the enforcer. Uh, I can't think of anybody who could get Henry Cuellar and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to vote as a block. And that is what Pelosi does. She's made a very, you know, for all the things that people criticize her for, she makes sure that the conference, that the caucus votes as a block. And I don't think you can get another um, Democrat who could uh who could who, who could do that? Especially, and, and that's going to be especially needed when it comes to things like keeping the government open, or uh, or, or a, 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 avoiding a debt ceiling disaster. Yeah, let's switch over to the Senate for just a second because the House is going to be a mess, and we're going to be talking about it for the better part of the next two years. <laughs> let's start with our Republican friends. Boy, the Twitter was just ablaze about whose fault this election was. Yeah. And a lot of the MAGA people wanted to go to Mitch McConnell. A little more complicated than that. It is a lot more complicated than that. So let's just <clears throat> let's just be let, 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 let's talk about this. Let's talk about Mitch McConnell. It's important to remember that before Trump, a lot of conservatives didn't really like Mitch McConnell. They thought that he was too conciliatory toward Democrats. They thought that he didn't win enough elections. They thought it wasn't until he blocked Merrick Garland that you get the kind of image of McConnell as the ruthless tactician. Um, this is very much a reversion to the mean, but for better or for worse, McConnell, you know, a lot of conservatives and MAGA people are mad at him for not bankrolling Blake Masters. That's only partially true. He did raise money for Masters, but he just didn't use his Senate leadership fund to bankroll Masters because they looked at the focus groups and Blake Masters was just so repellent to so many um, swing voters and so many other voters uh, that thought he was too extreme. I mean, mind you, Arizona is a state that elected Barry Goldwater. So, uh, so, so, so there was that on top, but that is really not fair to, to blame McConnell because he did his job. J.D. Vance would not be a senator without Mitch McConnell spending something like $30 million in Ohio during the summer or during the fall. Uh, and he, and you know, that race would not, the North Carolina race would not have been out of reach for Democrats had he not just poured a bunch of money in. Ron Johnson's now calling for a delay. Ron Johnson in Wisconsin's calling for a delay in leadership bets. That is a bunch of horse hockey because uh, McConnell's spun, spending uh, in Wisconsin probably made the difference in that one-point seat, that one-point race so in Wisconsin. So there's a lot of desire to blame McConnell, but the truth of the matter is, is, <clears throat> there are, is that A, Trump just endorsed a lot of bad candidates. Uh, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, J.D. Vance in um, in Ohio required a lot more money that could have gone elsewhere. Um, <clears throat> Blake Masters in Arizona, uh, Herschel Walker in Georgia, just a lot of candidates that required more spending than, than, than should have been needed. And on top of that, uh, the other thing is just, uh, just like in the House, the Dobbs effect was real.
Eric Garcia joining us, our congressional friend. McConnell's got another problem besides Trump and the MAGA wing, though. Um, This is not my opinion. This is source because, look, I'm not a journalist, but I do journalist adjacent stuff, so I talk to people. I don't just sit here and spout things off. This is source. He's got a Rick Scott problem. Rick Scott is grumpy. Rick Scott's got a lot of money. He's got a lot of ambition, and nobody likes him, and he's got no future prospects. This right. has mixed because remember the summer thing we had back in the spring, he launched his plan. Everybody mocked it, including <laughs> one of the few things that everybody agreed on from Biden to McConnell to whoever is like, no, Rick, shut up and go away. This isn't helping. Yes. Uh, we had the yacht incident, which came out of McConnell's office. Let's all be adults. Yes. He's mad. He's grumpy. And, you know, people are saying like, man, it wasn't five minutes after this election. He started calling folks that letter about delaying the leadership election that had three names on it. But that was a Rick Scott production. Let's all be honest. What's he going to do with Rick Scott? Now, McConnell's got the votes to keep his minority leadership. That's not in question. But he's this isn't getting worked out anytime soon. This is a problem. This is going to be a huge problem for Rich McConnell. So let's so again, let's be adults. Uh, this race, so so the leadership races, all of them, and on the Republican side at least, are uncontested. So he's going to get the leadership position. The um, the 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 three senators, I think it was Lee. Johnson and Scott or, or, or someone. And then Rubio, uh, I mean, they, they call for a delay in leadership. And then Rubio kind of called for a delay in leadership votes as well, um, even though him and Rubio don't necessarily get along. Uh, Scott and Rubio don't get along, I should say. <clears throat> but this is going to be a continuous problem because Rick Scott doesn't – I'm trying to think of the right – Rich McConnell doesn't own Rick Scott. Let me put it that – like there – um, <clears throat> other senators are beholden to McConnell because he provides them money. Rick Scott can just write a $150 million check and, you know, self-fund his campaign and he's okay. That is something that McConnell's going to have to deal with because Rick Scott can run an ad campaign and bash McConnell, or he can go to Fox news or he can go to Brett bear and he can, um, you know, kvetch about his, uh, uh, about his his woes with McConnell, but it's in McConnell really can't do anything about it, and that's the real tough thing. And, and also the other, the other difficult you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The thing is that McConnell's losing a lot of his foot soldiers after this Congress. He's losing Rob Portman. He's losing Roy Blunt. He's losing Richard Burr. Uh, there aren't going to be a lot of those uh, grunts who are usually the bulwark against people like Rick Scott. <clears throat> yeah, and the other part of that is, too, Eric Garcia joining us. Those are the grunts that did a lot of legislating and stayed off of TV and Twitter. Yes. Which is the opposite of what Rick Scott does, which is he's all over TV and social media and wanting to yes. run for higher office and doesn't actually do a whole lot of legislating. That's right. the problem, because when this Congress comes back, Yes. There there was stuff that got pushed to this lame duck on purpose. And yes. now there's a lot of questions if this lame duck session is going to get anything done. By the way, on top of the rest of this, 
you've got this potential freight railroad strike that usually con- yes. Congress can order arbitration to this labor issue that's getting ready to pop off right before Christmas due to union laws. I don't know if this lame duck's going to get anything done now. And that's a big reason. Look, Burr's leaving. So as he checked out, people like this, that's a big problem. Yeah. A lot of people are like on their, uh, like are a lot of senators who are retiring are kind of like uh, seniors in the last month of before high school ends. <clears throat> you know, so Schumer just ticked off, uh, just teed up uh, a vote on same sex, codifying same sex marriage for Wednesday. Um so that's so that's so that's going to happen, uh, but then on top of that, you've got the you've got the potential railroad strike. Uh, a lot of the unions uh, pushed back on uh, Biden and Secretary Walsh's arbitration. Uh, I mean, uh, deal with with business and rails. So so that so that's going to be a real that's going to be a tough bit, uh, bid. On top of that, you've got a question of whether or not you're going to have a debt ceiling raise this. Um, this kind of interim period because they, because there's really not a guarantee you can raise the debt limit in uh in a Republican house anymore. So there is going to be a lot of difficult questions and a lot, there's a lot of people are going to be cramming right before, uh, right before the end of the year. <clears throat> yeah. Eric Garcia joining us. Uh, let's talk about the democratic side of the Senate right now you know, 49 plus one, 50 plus one. Here's the reason why it's a big difference if it's 50-50 with a tie break and 51-49, depending on the Georgia runoff. And we'll talk about the Georgia runoff in just a second. 50-50, they have to split the committee assignments. Yes. 51-49, they don't split the committee assignments, which means they're going to have the subpoena powers. This is one of those little technicality things that a lot of people don't think about. You cover Congress, though. Talk about what a big difference it is between a 50-50 Senate and a 51-49 Senate. That is a big deal because, so for example, the perfect example of this is the Senate Judiciary Committee. Um, in the uh, Earlier this year when the committee voted on Ketanji Brown-Jackson's confirmation, it was a deadlock. And Schumer had to do a special procedure on the floor to, to, to get to bring Jackson's vote to the floor, uh, the vote from Jackson to the floor. Uh, on top of that, as you said, being uh, being in the majority in the Senate, you get all the subpoena power. Uh, so that includes for the Senate Intel Committee, where that is incredibly important. The Senate Judiciary Committee, that is incredibly important. You get more staff. You get better offices. You get more. Uh, you, you you basically get more allocation uh, for the majority, and to say nothing of the more member of more members on your committee so that you can break ties. That is incredibly important. So a lot of people are like, oh, well, 50-50, you know, Democrats still have the power because Kamala Harris breaks the tie. No, they still don't. They, they, they have to do these kind of very tenuous power-sharing agreements. And a lot of people don't recognize, <clears throat> as much as Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer may fight for the TV screens, they still have to come to an agreement of, okay, this is how it's going to do, do. This is how it's going to work. This is how we're going to share power. This is how it's going to go. And then they have to, uh, you know, plan accordingly. That is not good. You know, if Democrats get, if, if Raphael Warnock wins, that is going to make all the difference for them on committees and confirmations and everything else they want to do. Yeah, of course, Raphael Warnock is the incumbent out of Georgia because of the last Georgia runoff, which we all know yes. how that happened. <sighs> What's the sense in Congress with this? Because I think, and of course, the Trump announcement is going to deal with this a little bit. 
I think the runoff actually hurts Walker. I know Kemp's going to campaign hard yeah. for him, but Kemp's not on the ballot to raise him. He yeah. underperformed Kemp anyway. Trump's out. The issue now is the Trump inter-GOP fight that's going on. I think the runoff is actually going to hurt Walker now where I didn't think that a couple of weeks ago. What are your thoughts? But what is Congress thinking? So it was interesting when we were talking with, uh, I was talking with Senator Gary Peters, who's chairman of the DSCC. That's his, his job is to, uh, you know, elect Democrats. Uh, he was like, when I asked him about Trump running, he's like, we're, he basically was like, you know, right now it's just about Georgia. He's like, he basically de- deflected. The Democrats are laser focused on this. They are, you know, focused on, you know, ignore all the noise. We are giving all of our resources to Warnock. And it should also be said, Warnock himself is a money printer. Uh, you know, him and Mark Kelly are probably the two best fundraisers that Democrats have. Um, John Ossoff is throwing his entire political operation behind it. Everybody in the in the Democratic conference is now just like, okay, our job is to salvage Raphael Warnock. Whereas, but I think that, uh, and Mitt Romney said this last night, he's like, you know, We've lost three races because of Trump. Uh, and now, like, you know, this he basically said, yeah, this could affect us uh, in, in, in Georgia. And then, you know, Senator John Neely Kennedy, who likes to pretend he's Foghorn Leghorn, even though he's an Oxford educated guy, uh, you, you know, um, uh, you know, he's like, I'm focusing on I'm not focused on 2024. I'm focused on 2022. Everything right now, Republicans and Democrats are focused on this. I think as of right now, the momentum is with the Democrats, just because they won Pennsylvania, they won Nevada, Arizona, New Hampshire. Uh, but and then, as you said, I agree with you about the Kemp thing, because Kemp will campaign for Walker, but he can't carry his supporters aren't going to carry Walker over the finish line. Conversely, Stacey Abrams won't be as much of a drag on Raphael Warnock as Kemp was a boon to uh, Walker. Funny how things switch around. You know, last campaign, we thought it was the other way around. Garcia. Okay, here's the thing is the media narratives. One thing I took from this election I've been talking about is like, look, national narratives, you got to be real careful slamming them into congressional and Senate races and statewide races, right? Congress, one of the reasons I talk to you and other people that actually work in Congress is because the people in Congress, you usually cut through some of that noise because they know what's really going on. Besides the leadership elections that what are they talking about? Are they talking about 2024? Are they talking about the state of the Congress? Are they talking about the spectrum of whether Trump's running and what that means? What is it that the Congress people and senators, what are they talking about right now this week now that the election's done? They are talking about two things and two things alone, the Georgia runoffs and the debt limit. Those are kind of the two, Those, at least on the Senate side. I think that there is this expectation of, okay, we know that it's not going to be likely that um, you get a debt limit increase under a Republican Congress because McCarthy just wouldn't have the votes, and he does. I don't think he wants to go to the Democrats to to, to save his hide. Um, 
and prevented default. So right now that is the primary focus. On top of that, the primary focus is just everybody is everybody on the Senate is just like, we just gotta wait it out. We just gotta go to we just gotta go to Georgia. And then, you know, it's, it's funny because they still have this vote on same-sex marriage t- on Wednesday, but it's almost like that's a foregone conclusion. Um, I was talking with a few with a few aides. They think like, yeah, we got the t- we got the sixty votes we need to do for this. So right now, the main thing, the main thing everybody's focused on is um, is getting pat is getting this debt limit stuff, getting all the stuff that they kind of pushed off until the election done, like getting their homework done before they all go out, before they uh, they finish for the year. So that is the that is the main main challenge right now is just let's avoid a potential economic disaster in twenty twenty three. Is the debt limit going to turn into a fight this time, or are they just going to push it off on the new Congress since they know, or is it because they know deadlock is coming, somebody's going to dig their heels in here? Because McCarthy's got a lot out there about how he doesn't want to do this going forward. Is that going to affect this one? Yeah, so right now I think that there's this feeling. So Manchin just said yesterday, Senator Joe Manchin said that, um, you know, he thinks the debt limit deal should be bipartisan. Other people are talking about doing it through reconciliation because that would just allow for 51 votes. Uh, and some people question whether Democrat, whether Repub- there would be 10 Republicans who would go along with that. So there is a lot of contention about there's this feeling that we need to do this now because McCarthy has said, as he said, I don't want to do this in the future. Speaking of which, since you just mentioned them, a uh, lot of Democrats are like, oh, we got a majority now. We don't have to listen to Manchin and Sinema anymore. Uh, no, folks, that's not how politics works, especially no. since you basically, I'm talking to our team blue friends here, you've basically announced that you're going to be gunning for Cinema and her seat yeah. in a few years. You kind of shouldn't telegraph stuff like that because guess what you just did? You made her way more important now. Yes. Uh, just walk through that because, yes, Markowski, Manchin, Collins, Cinema, the usual suspects are still going to be just as important with a one seat majority or a tied Senate. Absolutely. They're, in, in fact, they're all going to be. Steve Dennis at Bloomberg pointed this out. At, because this morning, uh, Alex Mooney, uh, Representative Alex Mooney from West Virginia, announced he's running against Manchin. Uh, Manchin's going to need to take some votes against nominees just to salvage his own hide. Um, that makes cinema all the more crucial. She's going to be the swing vote now. And that, you know, a lot of Team Blue doesn't recognize. Manchin, at the end of the day, he wants to get to yes on most things. Cinema, it's never clear if she wants to get to yes or no. That was the big challenge during the uh, IRA vote. Uh, unless cinema is sponsoring something herself it's not entirely clear that she wants to get to yes on a democratic sponsored piece of legislation so she could very easily become the block swing voter this is also why uh democrats probably are regretting uh not spending in north carolina and not spending uh enough in uh wisconsin to push back on uh, the crime stuff with Mandela Barnes, uh, they, uh, because now they have to rely on cinema much more than they have to rely on Mansion. So this is gonna, so this is gonna, so so this is they're they're not out of the woods yet. 
Yeah, and to be fair, just because this is my neck of the woods, uh, Mooney's got two challenges in the ethics committee looking at him yes, in the face. So that's that's also why he announced right now because Morrissey, Jim Justice has joked about me. I don't think he really will. Uh, he's not going to be the only person going after that sentence. He's just trying to be first and get his name out there and uh, right. distract from this other stuff that's going to be going on in the next few weeks with him. So just for what it's worth, uh, just put yeah, that in the back of your pocket. The context is important. Alex Mooney is a very – he's under a lot of uh, – investigations for unscrupulous activity um and a, a red painted fire plug is going to win a congressional seat in west virginia right now so uh yes. that's that's not the concern this this is a mooney looking for mooney kind of move right here. yes exactly uh eric garcia this stuff's always great i'll leave you with one more good little tidbit though um once we get through here and we get through the the lame duck we get through all this stuff we get the new congress seated in january What's the first order of business really going to be? McCarthy's promising everybody the moon. They're going to have to settle on something. We've got some economic stuff. We already talked about that rail strike could be a big deal right around Christmas. What's the first thing they actually go after here? Uh, That is a tough question because they're probably going to need to do a seat. They're probably going to need to start working on the omnibus, even though, you know, because that's going to take a month. Which they swear up and down. McCarthy's swearing up and down. They aren't going to do because the conservatives, that's one of their conditions for letting him be speaker. And yet they're just saying that's the first thing they're going to do. You see where the problem comes in right off the jump here. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be the tough thing is the omnibus spending. They need it. That's a must pass piece of legislation. The conservatives are saying, heck no. Um, and probably some, some more four letter words. Um, and that is, and, and, and that alone is going to be difficult. On top of that, McCarthy's saying he wants to get rid of the magnetometers and proxy voting. The problem with that is that a lot of his own voters, uh, his own members, use proxy voting. So that's so good luck with that, buddy. Um, but then on top of that, they also need to take into account that when are they going to, you know, they're not going to be able to pass the budget, so they're probably going to have to settle for a CR. Uh, so, th- so the first order of business that's going to be the first order of business is going to be deciding what the first order of business is going to be. Lots of interesting days, which means I get to have you on the program a whole, whole lot, my friend, going forward. I look forward to that. Uh, let folks know we're going to keep up with you. Eric Garcia, our congressional reporter. He works for The Independent. Great book out. We'll talk about that. Usually we bring it up. We'll, we'll talk about it some other time. Let folks know where they can go, where they can follow you, and where they can get your book, my friend. You can find uh, you can buy my book, We're Not Broken, Change the Autism Conversation, wherever fine books are sold. You can, uh, see, uh, you, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Eric M. Garcia. Follow my work at The Independent, my column at MSNBC, uh, and I will see you on the road. Yeah, brother, we're going to be doing this a lot because this is going to be one of the most interesting congressional terms I think we've ever seen. Don't think there's any doubt about that one. My friend, love talking to you. Let's do it again soon. Let's do it again. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 
Folks, if you've listened to the Herd Tell program, you've heard our friend Gabriella Hoffman, but you need to make sure you're checking out her podcast, District of Conservation. It's a podcast exploring the nuances of true conservation efforts from D.C. and beyond. From topic discussions to exclusive interviews with conservation and energy newsmakers, Gabriella keeps listeners appraised of the latest news stories while elevating important voices. Listen to the District of Conservation on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are played. Religion is at the intersection of our 21st century life, even if we don't express a faith. At a time when it seems that religion isn't as prevalent as it once was, it still leaves its mark everywhere. As a pastor, I know that religion isn't something I just do on a Sunday, but it's found in every nook and cranny of my life. Sexuality, politics, social media, the economy, war, nationalism, all have some kind of religious angle to them. And as a communicator, I want to find the stories that can help people understand this part of our society that is so important to so many. Hi, I'm Dennis Sanders, and I'm the host of Church and Maine. Church and Maine is a podcast about the journey of faith and where it intersects with modern life. I look at faith with a journalist's eye, asking the who, where, what, why, and how religion affects some of the major issues of the day. Join me as we journey together. You can listen to Church in Maine podcasts at the website churchinmaine.org or on your favorite podcast app. I look forward to seeing you.